DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. All right, the Utes have started fall camp, getting ready for their opener in November. Now, practices are later in the day. Media availability used to follow practice. We'd go out there on the field and talk to guys for uh, five, seven, eight, ten minutes, whatever it is. Bounce from guy to guy and try to get whatever storyline we were getting. Now, of course, the media is not going to practice. New uh, health protocols, obviously. And so there's a Zoom media session the next day. Kyle Whittingham has just finished talking to the media, and we'll let you listen in to what he had to say as the Utes gear up for their opener with Arizona. Here's Kyle. Okay, we're ready to uh, shift gears, so to speak, and get into a fall camp mode starting today. Um, it'd be nice to uh, be able to practice with the whole team together. We've been going split practices uh, and uh, split meetings as well, but uh, now we've transitioned to uh, more of a typical uh, practice structure and, and meeting structure and, and uh, looking forward to getting going. So questions? We'll get started with Joan Kuhn from AP, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune, and then Dirk Facer with the Desert News. Coach, you have a secondary where you're putting in five new starters this year. Um, kind of rare to have to replace all five starters in the same year like that. Um, what can you say about just the, the potential and, and talent that you see in this group? Well, we see good potential and talent, but uh, as everybody knows, that's got to come to fruition on the game field. And so it's going to be uh, one of our primary tasks this uh, fall camp is to identify who those five guys are going to be early, as early as we can, let them start working together as a unit. And it's much like offensive linemen. You know, the secondary guys got to got to work together and, and get a feel for each other. And, and uh, it's, uh, like I said, other than the quarterback position, We've got to get ironed out. The secondary is a is the next uh, most important uh, task that we have during fall camp, and we feel like we've got a lot of good candidates. They're all uh, inexperienced um, and mostly freshmen and sophomores, but but uh, they got to be ready, and we got to get them ready. Next up is Josh Newman, followed by Dirk Facer. Hey, good morning, Kyle. Good morning. Um, Given um, the tumultuous nature of the investigation involving Morgan, um, in the last three or four months since that got settled, how, how do you feel like he's done in terms of um, re-ingratiating himself with the program and the players that he's currently coaching? Phenomenal. He's, uh, you know, he's uh, an outstanding football coach, an outstanding person, um, and we uh, are – you know, just just forging ahead. We've we've put it behind us. Uh, we've all learned from it, uh, particularly Morgan, from uh, from what transpired. But uh, we're just, like I said, going going in a positive direction right now. And and uh, Morgan has done a great job uh, with you know his uh, how he's handled it and the strides that he's made since uh, since the incident. Next up is Dirk Facer, followed by Chris Comrani with The Athletic. Good morning, Kyle. How are you? Good, Dirk. Hey, I was going to ask you, I know how you feel about outside expectations, but being picked uh, to finish third this year after winning back-to-back Pac-12 self-titles, is there a little different uh, attitude going into camp, or do you just tune that stuff out? We just tune it out, and uh, when you look at – 
the players that we lost and who we have to replace, uh, I don't blame them for, for picking us where they did. And that's, you know, it's just a typical reaction, but uh, it'll all depend on how these new guys that are getting their opportunities, uh, handle it and that's really the bottom line you know we've got to have guys step up and that's the nature of college football you lose guys every year your your senior class amongst a couple handful of others that move on for various reasons and you got to be able to reload and respond and uh, that's what our objective is right now is to is to get everybody uh, you know positioned where they should be and playing at the level they need to be playing at and then see what happens thank you next up is Chris Cummer with the athletic you got me kyle got you chris i'm wondering how do you kind of address the give and take of having an offense that can put up a lot of points versus having a young and inexperienced defense that you don't want to necessarily put on the field as much as possible traditionally it's kind of been the opposite in a sense that you know you've been able to protect leads once you get them by running the ball and relying on your defense whereas uh, this year might be the most backward Kyle Whittingham coach team that we've seen in a long time. It could be uh, as far as you know how you've outlined it and, and what our usual MO is. Um, you know, we hope we can score a bunch of points offensively. We feel like we got a lot of good players on that side of the ball, a lot of experience. Uh, as we mentioned before, we got to find the quarterback and, and get him in place. But uh, we're going to have to lean on that offense, uh, particularly early on in the season, to uh, you know to get. Uh, to get wins. I mean, they're going to have to perform up to expectations while the, while the defense uh, gets settled in. And, you know, we just, we got a bunch of playmakers on that side of the ball. The receiving core is, is strong. The tight ends are very productive. And maybe the, the biggest factor and the key is the offensive line. We've got a, a talented and deep offensive line. So, so we've got to uh, hope that that comes to fruition with the offense uh, playing how we project. And that'll, like I said, keep us in ball games early in the season while the defense uh, you know, goes through their maturation process. Next up is Josh Furlong with KSL.com, followed by Trevor Allen. Hey, Kyle. Um, obviously, Andy Ludwig has been known to be able to work towards his personnel and being able to to kind of run an offense based on their strengths. What what advantages do you see with that, and how different do you see this year's offense to maybe last year or even in years past? Well, first of all, you're exactly right. Andy does a great job of maximizing uh, each of the players' uh, strengths and, and what they do best. And, and uh, you know, we, we talk about it all the time around here. It's not about the plays. It's about the players. And and uh, we don't really necessarily start with, with scheme. We start with, okay, what does this guy do best? What does that player do best? What are his strengths? And then tailor the offense uh, to, that, uh, to those various skill sets. And uh, you know, getting the right guys the ball in space, and uh, whoever your number one running back is, you know, emphasizing the the runs that he uh, is best at, feels most comfortable with. So, so that is going to be a, a uh, another opportunity for Andy to do uh, you know just that again this year. Um, you're right in the fact that uh, you know we've, we've leaned on Zach Moss and, and had a. A fairly heavy dose of run over the last few years, and it may change this year. We may need to throw the ball more, uh, which is fine. I mean, any, there's more than one way to get things done. And, and uh, last year, our, even though our pass offense offense wasn't real prolific yards per game wise, it was very efficient, and very effective. And uh, you know, I've got no no question and no doubt that that uh, Andy will get the most out of the uh, the ability of, of the players and, and what's available to him. Next up is Trevor Allen. 
Hey, Kyle, it, it seems like every single year your your D line is always really, really deep with, you know, losing Bradley and Lecky and, you know, a bunch of guys uh, up front. How, how deep it, is, is this team? I know you brought in some really talented guys in that 2020 class, but how, how deep is this D line as you go into camp? Should be uh, a strong suit for us. And, and you're right, we lost some really good players up front, but but uh, traditionally, we just are able to reload at that position. And and uh, Viana Mawala, we think, is going to be one of the best defensive tackles in the Pac-12 and in the country. Uh, Howard Pututau is in there with him and Pita Tonga. Uh, we've got some really good freshmen that just came in. Uh, Van Fillinger, he's on the outside, ex-Carlton. Um, Tanoa Tongiai, an inside player. And then, of course, we've got Mika Tafua returning, Max Tapai. Uh, both those guys have extensive experience. And so we feel like uh, year in and year out, the defensive front is going to be continue to be a strength of ours as it has been for, for many years, uh, you know, just as long as I can remember. You know, we, we very seldom have a year where our defensive front isn't dominating, and we expect that to happen this year. All right, there's Kyle Whittingham meeting with the media, and two things jump out at me there. One is the last question, PK. The D-line has been so good. It has definitely helped everybody playing behind them, and it does kind of feel like a birthright for Utah, not something that should be counted on, but they have been able to count on it, and Kyle, uh, when he says they're going to be that good again, I'll take his word for it. Okay, you're going to have one of the best defensive tackles in the country, and you're now recruiting freshmen who can jump right into this rotation and perform, so... That, that's a major positive. Again, check that box again. And the other thing was earlier, the question about, you know, how are they going to manage the games? Are they going to put the foot on the gas a little more offensively, be a little more daring, try to score more points, figure in a new defense, a young defense needs it? You know, you can say anything you want now, and no matter what Kyle says, I think that's something we should all watch when the games actually start and they have a better feel for what their defense can do you know, in any given week against any, in any given matchup. No, they're not changing. <laughs> yeah, they're not. They're going to be able to run the ball behind that O-line, so they'll just do what they do. It's too late in the game. This, this, this notion of young defense right now, uh, looking at their depth chart, their defensive line across the front is three seniors and a junior. And linebacker, you've got two juniors, both of whom played extensively last year. Secondary is a little uh, shy. You got me there. But Bronson Boyd's a junior. He's played. R.J. Hubert played. He did. Vontae Davis is a senior. So I've got uh, – uh, uh, they usually go with five uh, defensive Four, two, five. To, yeah, it's a four, two, five and, usually. And with a nickel back. And so in the, in the secondary of the five, I've got Hubert, who played a lot last year and got injured late. Uh, and he's a junior. Davis is a senior, uh, and Bronson Boyd is a junior. So I don't see where that they're not all frontline returning starters, but they've all been in the program. Now this kid, uh, what's his name, Phil, uh, Phillips, right? Clark Phillips. He's a freshman, and they've been pumping him up as a potential. Uh, replacement for Jalen Johnson, so we shall see. And then the defensive line, X and uh, Fillinger, I mean, they're both, uh, they'll both play, but they're both going to be backups. So they actually have a lot of experience up front on that defensive line, and they've got a fair experience at linebacker and a little more thin in the, uh, in the ultimate back. All right, let's hear it now from the offensive coordinator. Here's Andy Ludwig. Talk about the challenges of replacing a Zach Moss. You got the leading rusher in Utah history, obviously, that you 
that's left the program. And I know a lot's been made of the quarterback situation, but can you just talk about replacing Zach Moss and what a big challenge that is? Oh, it's a, it's a great challenge and a great opportunity for, for everyone involved in the program. You know, Zach had such a such an eraser, eraser ability where he could he could take a bad play call and, and turn it into an explosive play. Uh, so obviously we got to be much more refined all the way across the board from uh, designing and implementing run game schemes, the way that we're coaching the running backs, the way that we're calling the plays. But ultimately, it's going to be a great battle for that starting tailback position or the tailback rotation with Devin Brumfield, Jordan Wilmore, Makai Bernard, Ty Jordan, TJ Green. It's a good it's a good group uh, in the backfield competing, competing to be Zach's replacement. Uh, but we're, we're all going to have to step our, up our game to uh, accommodate the loss of the all time leading rusher in Utah football history. Uh, hey, thanks, Andy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Next up is Trevor Allen. Hey, Andy. Um, I, I wanted to see how, how deep the uh, O-line is for you. I, I know that, uh, you know, in, in 2019 they were they were pretty young, but, you know, a lot of them come back. You only lose one one starter. How deep is this O-line at least heading into camp? The, uh, the it's, it's got the potential for very, very good depth. Again, as you mentioned, losing just one starter and – players coming back with so much experience, whether starting experience or playing experience. Um, I think that that group has a potential to really, you know, as, as Dirk asked the question about the running back and replacing the all-time leading rusher in Zach Moss, I think the improvement and the depth at the offensive line is going to be as big a part of that process as anything as we have going. So I, I feel very good about the depth. I feel really good about the talent in the offensive line. And I think that will be a real strength for the a real strength for the Utah offense in this upcoming season. Next up is Josh Newman, followed by Josh Furlong with KSL.com. Hey, good morning, Andy. How are you? Good morning. Doing well. Thank you. Good. Um, when we last saw the guys in March, um, Jake had just shown up. He, he was just learning your offense. He was getting his feet wet. What have you seen out of him these last few months in terms of his maturation and um, and his command of your offense? Yeah, he's he's done a really nice job. Uh, you know, he's a football junkie, and I thought even in the short the short opportunity we had in March with the three practices in spring ball that he showed a quick take to the, what we're doing offensively. But he's a guy that has made the absolute most of this unique time in in history and the pandemic and taking advantage of every opportunity that he's had to not only learn the offense, but learn his teammates and develop chemistry uh, with those guys. So the other thing I would note with Jake is that he is moving so much better now in October than he was in March uh, coming off that injury from his, from his uh, previous season there at South Carolina. So we're real excited about the progress he's made physically as well as mentally in terms of adapting to the Utah football offense. Next up is Josh Furlong, followed by Chris Camarani of The Athletic. Andy, with, with the pandemic and not having a spring season and, and all these different things that go into it, does that, does that kind of give Cam Rising a bit of an edge just simply because he knows your offense, he knows uh, how to work into that and being able to, to help all those things? Cam, Cam had, has, has been around us for a year. 
and he's been in the press box, as you know, last season. So he's seen some things from a unique perspective. And uh, I believe it does give him an edge. Just again, there's a familiarity, not only with the system, but with myself. But I think that, again, now that it's, it's, it seems like Bentley's been here forever now. Okay. The, the thing that they both have in common is that they, neither one of them have ever taken a snap as a Utah football quarterback on game day. So that's, that's kind of the great equalizer right there. But I, I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing these guys on the field today. Not that I haven't seen them for the last two months, but uh, things are changing now. It's going to be a little bit different when we take the field today as opposed to when, what we did in you know, the middle of August. Next up is Chris Comrani with The Athletic, followed by Bill Riley with ESPN 700. Good morning, Andy. You got me? I got you loud and clear. As you know, Kyle isn't one for hyperbole, but he said this year that he thinks that this is the deepest that Utah has been out wide at tight end and wide receiver. And, you know, traditionally your offense has played to the strengths of whatever you have each year at your disposal. And I'm wondering, how do you strike the balance between um, taking advantage of having so many different types of threats out wide while also staying committed to the running game that Utah's known to have? Uh we're, we're committed to doing whatever it takes to win. So if, if the strength of the offense is on the perimeter and the quarterbacks are up to the task, then things will open up. And uh, I, I really feel like last year we played to the strengths of who we were and stayed true to who we were through the course of the season. Uh, every year is different. We take a lot of pride in our ability to adapt and adjust to the personnel within the scheme. First and foremost, that will always start with the quarterback position. But there's no doubt that the depth and the talent level at the wide receiver and the tight end position is going to warrant uh, the ball being in the air more than it was a year ago. Next up is Bill Riley with ESPN 700, followed by Josh Newman with the Salt Lake Tribune. Good morning, Andy. How are you? Bill, doing great. Thank you. Um, I know you like to get creative. You, you used that creativity a year ago with, uh, with Brant Keithy at the tight end spot, using him in a lot of different ways. Um, a healthy Britain Covey this year. Um, you know, where do you see him fitting in with what you guys want to do? And uh, being kind of a dynamic playmaker when healthy, do you see utilizing him in a lot of different ways? Absolutely. I, I would put uh, Britt Covey is like a guerrilla warfare player where he's not – I'm not saying that Britt Covey is an X receiver, R receiver, slot receiver, outside, and he's everything. He's going to line up as a, as, as a running back. He's going to line up in the slot. He's going to line up in the perimeter. He's going to be moving, getting carries out of the backfield, getting carries from the fly sweep positions, things like that. So I've talked with Britt about that. Hey, you're not a letter. You know, most receivers say, hey, I'm an X, I'm a Z, I'm an X. I said, Britt, you don't have a letter. You're everything and you have to be prepared to adapt and adjust week in and week out as we work to implement uh, plays and design schemes that highlight his skills and abilities, which he has a tremendous skill set. So, again, he's a fun player to work with. He's way into it, and I uh, can't wait to get started with him today. Final question will come from Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Andy, obviously um, it's been quite a long time since you guys were – in full pads and tackling and hitting fully uh, at some point here soon, you guys will put on full pads. What are the concerns at least 
initially of getting guys back into that mode of full hitting and full contact after so much time away from that? Well, I, I have great confidence in Doug LSI, our strength and conditioning uh, coordinator. We've had these guys here for about three months, so I know they're bigger, stronger, and faster uh, than we were in March during spring football. We didn't get to hit full. We our practice three in March, finished in helmets and shoulder pads only, so there was some banging, but no live tackling. Uh, per NCAA regulations, our first two practices this year start in helmets only. That's today and tomorrow, Friday, Saturday. On Monday, Tuesday, we'll be wearing helmets and shoulder pads, our first fully live work and, and maybe not even full tackle, but full contact work will be on Wednesday. Is there, I don't know that there's any more concern on my part this year than any other year. Uh, we're coming off a little bit longer break than usual, but I, I have great confidence in the head coach's plan in terms of how much hitting we're doing week in and week out or day in and day out through the course of camp. And I'll follow his lead and his direction. But I know one thing, our guys know what to do. Uh, we are learning how to do it. Now we just have to see how physical we can be in terms of executing our schemes. And that will really start taking place uh, next Wednesday. There's Andy Ludwig, offensive coordinator at the U. PK, that depth and the talent at tight end receiver is going to warrant the ball being in the air more. All right. Does that mean the lack of talent at running back? Also makes me wonder because Utah isn't throwing the ball around a lot. That's not who they are. So we're, we're going to change it all of a sudden. Uh, why is that? Is it good? And that could be for two reasons. And if it's all about the talent at receiver and uh, tight end, great. But if you're going to do it because you're not sure you're going to be able to run the ball, well, then you're going to go against what Kyle Woodham is about. Now, all these receivers, you know, they were all there last year. And I get Covey wasn't. So maybe that's the big difference. Uh, well, assuming and, the other guys have improved, which sometimes guys improve and sometimes they don't. So, but I think they kind of discovered Keithy over the course of the season. I mean, he was much, uh, much had a much bigger impact in the second half of the season than they had in the first. And I would get him the ball as much as possible. So my, I don't, I, I, I have a little skepticism that they're going to throw it more. They may be more effective, which is more important than simply throwing it more. It's like you can shoot. 43 pointers all you want if that's your goal you could accomplish that every game but to me it's about making three pointers not shooting three pointers well they don't have a zach moss so there's a drop off in talent there um they still have pretty good running backs and if the o-line is as good as we think would you rather have a um an a-plus offensive line and a b running back or a b offensive line and an a-plus running back yeah, I don't know that they have a B running back though. I think you're assigning them a great. Yeah, I am. I am. I just I did grab grab those out of thin air. I'm just saying that if the offensive line is better, then the running back can still be really effective behind it. Even if the running back isn't Zach Moss, as he pointed out, is the all-time rushing leader in school history. You don't have to have that to have a good running game, especially if you're uh, you a line. You don't, better. but you know Zach Moss was doing a lot of stuff that with the offensive line in the rearview mirror. Yeah. He had the ability to run over you, run by you, be shifty, and all that yep. stuff. The offensive line can open up the initial holes, but when you're looking for 8, 9, 10 yards at, at a carry, it's not really the offensive right. line 
doing all that, and I haven't seen. Now, that's not to say these running backs can't do it. It's just that I haven't seen it that much. I mean, Zach Moss, Zach Moss out, got every carry. And they fumble at the goal line. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I have to see. And and I don't know that those uh, the ten and twenty yard runs that Moss could provide, and sometimes fifty yard runs he could provide, uh, that those will be there. But if they're averaging, if the offensive line's getting a good push and they're averaging five yards a carry, uh, then you can run the ball a lot, as much as Kyle wants. And ultimately, that's the way he wants to win. Right. DJ and PK, all right, we've run out of time for Morgan Scally, but uh, I think Scotty and Hans will have him coming up. We've got Brian Keel coming up next, former BYU linebacker. Stay with us. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprinter coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Good morning. Did you watch the Houston game, or were you taking them one game at a time, focused on UTSA, and you'll watch the Houston tape later? No, I, I missed it. I, I should have done some recon, um, <laughs> as that will be as that will be an actual measuring stick for our squad. Um, yeah, I'm actually super anxious for that matchup. Yeah, that's interesting. So we've identified Houston and Boise State, and then at the end of the season, we'll see where San Jose State is. And so, you know, we don't have to take them one game at a time. You're an ex-player now, and we're media, so we're blowhards. We can take as many games as we want as a time, at a time. Uh, put yourself in the position of the players. Uh, how much would you be looking forward to that opportunity to maybe finally shut some people up? Yeah, so I was – I mean, every everybody's different. Everybody has a different approach and a different mindset. Um, if I was on the team in Provo right now, I would – relish every game and look forward to every game and look, you know, you only get so many chances um, to play this game that we love. And when it's done, it's done. There's no, there's no pickup football in the park like there is for basketball or any other sport. Like it, 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 when it's done, it's done. So every time you get to lace them up and go out there, it's just, it's a privilege. And so if I was down there, I would relish every single game, and I wouldn't overlook any team or any opponent. Um, like, like I said on the radio a few weeks ago, you, know, you, respect, you respect every opponent. Um, and so I, I, would, I would look forward to each game and absolutely prepare and focus and execute each game. But I also, you know, I'm the type of guy who I'm, I'm real. And, you know, I, I didn't actually circle a game on a calendar, like literally, but, but – Figuratively, I always did that every single year, and and for us, you know, obviously the Utah game, the TCU game, um, those were big games for us when I was there, and you know, figuratively, those were circled on on my calendar in my head, and just absolutely looking forward to those games like they were Christmas. And so, you know, for these kids this year, if I was down there, I would, you know, I don't, they don't have the Utah game anymore, unfortunately. Um, but they do. Uh, Boise is a quality opponent. Boise is obviously a really good football team, one of the winningest programs in the country over the last two decades. And so I would absolutely have that circled. Houston has been a quality team. I would have them circled. And then the last couple of years, San Diego State's been really good and, um, and have beaten us. So, you know, that's, that's, that's another game that's a good measuring stick. So, yeah, so I, you don't overlook any opponent, but you absolutely are looking forward to those games you have circled. 
So when you see a uh, spread that's 32 and then it goes up to 33 and then to 34 and then to 34 and a half, is there anything about this game that's overhyped that anyone is missing or everyone has this figured out and it's going to be a blowout? Yeah, so I, I, it's funny you say that. I just looked up the spread. I've just been getting ready for this interview a couple of minutes ago. I was curious to see what is that. Um, ESPN's got it at 35. I'm not sure what the Vegas is. Is it still 35 right now? Yeah, I mean it's different places and different books, but everybody's yeah, in the everybody's in the there. same area. Okay, yeah. So and that's that's huge. I mean, that's a monster spread. Last week was twenty four, and um, I'm not a sports gambler or anything like that. But I I looked at the spread last week and I, mentally I said I was I'm taking I'm taking twenty four. I'm taking BYU plus twenty four, and and um, and you would have paid out on that one. And and then looking at it today, you know, if I was a gambling man. Um, Plus 35, I'll take that. I'll take that. It's a huge spread, um, but I'll take it. These guys are executing at such a high level, and they're such a good team. Um, I'll take it. I think, you know, it, it is what it is. It, it's a lesser opponent, and you know, we are supposed to beat them. And the way we've been playing, the way we have just absolutely been dominating every facet of the game, um, I think it's just going to be another, another one onto our road, you know, of a great season. If you're on this team this year, and invariably and undoubtedly you hear what's being said, good and bad, would it bug you that people are running around saying, yeah, they're playing high school teams? No, not at all. I, I would be the first one to acknowledge that. Because, I, like I said, I'm a realist. Like, I, I, um, you know, I, 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 I don't beat around the bush. I, I try to be frank. I try to be candid. And, um, it, you know, truth is truth. It, it, you know, if you're, if you're playing an SEC schedule, and you win 10 games, that's legit. If, if you're playing a schedule full of opponents from lesser conferences, um, you know, directional schools and the like, and you win 10 games, that's still a good season, but it's not like winning 10 games in the SEC. I mean, it's just, it is what it is. And so if I'm on the team, and I, it wouldn't bother me at all. I'd you know, it, it, I would be proud of what they've done and, and what I would have done if I was on the team because we've done what we're supposed to do. But, you know, it wouldn't bother me. So one thing you're going to watch this game for that will be interesting that will help uh, help you get dialed in on the Houston game, one thing they have to improve at, anything. Um, so I, I think the one – big thing that I noticed from the last game, just their first touchdown, the tackling was just atrocious. And our tackling has actually been pretty good this year. Um, I've been, I've been compared to years past, I, I think we've improved in that area. And so I've been pleased with that. That play was absolutely just horrendous. Um, and it gave them life and it kind of, you know, kept it a game for a real few minutes longer than it should have been because of that. And, um, and it was just a completely unnecessary thing. Like it should have been a, a five, ten yard gain. I, you know, I can't remember where the first missed tackle was, but it was really close. And just, just horrendous angles, horrendous tackling. Um, that was really bad. So, you, and you hate to see something like that because it's so preventable. Like if somebody, if somebody just beats you with speed or, or something like that, or, or out schemes you, or gets you on a trick play, like that's one thing. But just. Proper angles and pursuit and tackling is just football 101, fundamental. There's no excuse for that. Um, so that, that's I, just the one easy thing that I would say. You know, I don't want to see that. Now I'm thinking BYU really needs a breakout season for recruiting purposes in terms of 
this is why you need to come to BYU. And I, I go back to your time. And, you know, you had the religious connection, and that's always going to be there. But I think that kids want more. than That's very important. But in terms of the elite players, they want more than that. And when you played, you know, it was an obvious choice to go there because Utah wasn't in the Pac-12. I think your program at the time had a little bit higher profile than the non-conference. You could play bigger opponents and get bigger opponents to come into Provo than Utah could, and that's obviously flipped. BYU can still get those big opponents, but Utah's situation is flipped. So I think that they need this season to give players a legitimate reason to come to BYU beyond the religious aspect, which is very important. And that's why I think that if you've got them both, then they can help get back to where they were. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I agree. So, for, yeah, And you, you hit the nail on the head. So I, I was always going to go to BYU partly because of the religious aspect of it. But even, I mean, that wasn't really the main thing. The, the main driver was my family happened to be BYU fans. And so, you know, we grew up with season tickets. And I went to all the games. And so, you know, it just built in. Like, I was going to go there. Um, but the, the, aside from that, like, when I was getting recruited, BYU still had that aura. And coming out of the 80s and 90s, they just they had that because of the track record, that they, which was a recent track record. And now that track record is it's old. And unfortunately, you know, the last – 15 years, we, they haven't produced, well, I guess that's 12 years, they haven't produced the same, and they haven't, they haven't had the same on-field success, you know, um, finishing ranked, winning, winning the, the marquee games, you know, 10-win seasons, haven't beat their rival in a decade, um, just a, a list of, of accomplishments that they haven't done um, over the last 12 years, and, and in a sense, and then also being independent, and, you know, they haven't made it in all these years. We still haven't made it to a New Year's Six Bowl. And so those are things that we haven't done, and they're failures on us. And obviously, you know, recruiting stuff and the honor code and all that stuff, but, you know, we, we still we could, have, we could have made more with what we have, and we haven't. And so that aura, is, it's not the same as what it was. And how, how do you get it back? It's not like it's lost forever. I mean, you can get it back just like we, we, we earned it and built it up before. And, and you, you, you hit it exactly. It, it's by winning. Winning solves all problems. It solves recruiting problems. It solves money problems. I mean, just it solves everything. Just win. Just you know, Al Davis, just win, baby. Um, and so, you know, for us to get that aura back, that edge back, you know, that, that just that respect, that fear, you, you just got to win. And so this season is huge for that. And even it, lesser opponents or not, you go out there and win every game on your schedule, that's an accomplishment. I don't care who you're playing. That's still hard to do. And it's still, especially when you have a spotlight this year because of not a lot of college football teams playing, especially in the West, you're, you're attracting eyes. And that attention is huge. It, it builds momentum. It builds in recruiting. And then the recruiting is the lifeblood, lifeblood of any program. And that's how you have forward progress and upward mobility. And that makes you better for the next year and the year after that. And so, yeah, this, this year is huge. I absolutely love what we're doing. And if we can win our games and make it to a New Year's Six Bowl and play a marquee opponent and win, I mean, we will set ourselves up just – it's just it's invaluable what, what we have at stake right now. Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, somebody at ESPN compared Zach Wilson's leap to that uh, – the one Joe Burrow made a year ago. 
that seems a little bit extreme, but I think what really you're, you're laughing, right? What really matters to BYU fans is if he makes a leap to where he's going to be an NFL draft pick, uh, if he's if he's going to go in the you know fourth or fifth round or something, or earlier than that, it makes it even more obvious. Then are we seeing the last year of Zach Wilson here? Mentally, I had him. I had him penciled in for another year, but the numbers he's putting up, and I know the quality of competition, but the number he's putting up, and I see Mel Kuyper had him fifth or sixth, I'm thinking, wait a minute, he's going to have a decision to make, and it may not be a very hard decision. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's different for everybody. Um, quarterback's different because you, your age isn't a factor, so it's just, I think, to me, it depends on what kind of a draft grade you have. I'm I'm the type of guy that like unless you're a first round like a shoe in first rounder, you're better off coming back to school. And and the re- and there's a, a ton of factors for that. Um, you know, part of it is just the experience. Like college football is just so unique and so special and still pure. Um, that's part of it. Part of it is finishing school. Like that's important. Um, and then a part of it too is just uh, none of that, but just developmental. Like. You know, getting drafted in the second round versus getting drafted in the sixth round, there's no comparison for your, your, your pipeline to success in the NFL. You know, second rounders have every chance to succeed. Sixth rounders, you're scratching just to make the roster. And, you know, leaving early can be the difference between being a sixth rounder or a second rounder. Um, and so, yeah, so I, when it comes down to it, I mean, he can do whatever he wants to do. He's, he's his own kid. And, and, and I'm not going to fault anybody, like, who wants to go get paid to do what they love. I don't, I don't fault anybody. Like, that's, I totally understand that decision. Anytime someone wants to leave early, if they can and they're going to get drafted, I don't fault that at all. But it's, it's definitely something you have to weigh because you come back and you dominate another year, you're just going to go several rounds higher and have, you're going to get paid more and you're going to have a, a better pipeline to starting and being really successful in the NFL. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's capable. He has made a big jump. The Joe Burrow comparison, I mean, that's let's not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, Joe Burrow just you know, put out one of the best college football seasons ever last year. But um, just the fact that that's mentioned, I mean, that, that, that's, that's awesome. Like, he's doing – and, he, and he, he's performing. He's, he's even against lesser opponent. You know, it's hard to go 24-26 on air. He's, um, he's playing very well. Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, joining us every week. Brian, thanks for checking in, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks, guys. You have a good weekend. Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, DJ and PK. Your feedback coming up next. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. DJ and PK, it is time for your feedback. ESPN comparing Zach Wilson's leap to that of Joe Burrow, getting out of hand or realistic. Jeremy Carter tweets back at us simply... Out of hand. <laughs> Short, simple, to the point. Out of hand. JCJ, Jeffrey C. Jackson says, if you're comparing their performance and skill level improvement from 2019 to 2020, I think he's right on the money. Zach's made a huge leap. He's put in the work in his shows. I'm saying God to California every day and work on John Beck. <laughs> Say hello, BYU coaches. <laughs> John Lennon would be 80 years old today. What can you imagine for your team? Winning tonight and moving on to the next round after being tied last night and facing elimination. Yankee fan checking in. Well, if you're a Yankee fan and the Yankees win tonight, then you would love me too. 
That wasn't bad. I'll give you that one. I was going to complain. <laughs> but you know what? Right off the top of your head, that was pretty good. Uh, let's see. We've got uh, uh, ESPN dude comparing Zach Wilson's leap to that of Joe Burrow. Getting out of hand or realistic? DJ, I know this year has been very tough on you, not being able to see your beloved youths play. Nevertheless, please ignore your urges to dump on a kid just because you don't like the color of his uniform. Thanks. <laughs> I thought he was going to do the color of his skin. You don't like white guys. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, makes sense for you to just uh, dump on BYU. It's a good. That, I would. I would advise that career wise. Yeah, career wise, it's really why I'm where I am today. Is <laughs> I hate you and you and you. All right, I'm a cougar. Fine, I said it. (laughs) It's interesting that that myth has been dispelled largely. I think people get where we're coming from. still out there. Uh, Justin says, Zach Wilson, can he beat Utah? There's your answer. Joe Kelly for president at Dodger Jazz Coog says, that's a stupid comment. (laughs) Justin says, how so? As a Cougar fan, nothing else should matter aside from beating Utah. I literally don't care what they do. Heisman, bowl games, none of it means a damn thing. Well, if he goes this year, he has a chance to play Utah. Yeah. And that may well be how it plays out. You know, we'll have to right. see how it goes from here. But uh, if you told me that's what's going to happen going forward, I'd say, mm, you got a decent chance of being right. I can't guarantee it at this point. There's too much football no. to go. But the way it's trending... That is a very realistic possibility. Yeah, plus, I, I honestly have no idea what his interest is in terms of wanting right. to leave. And nor do we know where he's going to rank, be ranked among quarterbacks and what other positions are going to be strong in this draft. You know, we see years where there's two, two quarterbacks in the first round. We see quarterbacks years where there's six. And so we got to have well, more. Right now, I think it's a two-man race between Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence. There's no race. Trevor Lawrence is going number one. And whoever is number one <laughs> is lucky to get that pick so they can draft him. Because the person who's got that number two pick is getting shut out. It doesn't mean there can be other good quarterbacks. That's a true story, and that's why I say there could be six in the first round. You're going to get Panay Sewell, though, if you're number two. (laughs) How much of the draft have you slotted, Yach? I'm just saying, he's the best offensive lineman I have seen in some time. All right, mark it down, Yach. 300 years. On John Lennon's 80th Mm -hmm. birthday, Yach's called it. Sewell, number two. All right, we're out of time. Scotty and Hans are coming up next. See you Sunday night on Talking Sports and back here Monday morning on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.